Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of the Hail to the District podcast. I'm Rajan, which you probably know already at this point. Um, But I am very, very pleased to have my good friend John back on the pod. And as we alluded to a couple of weeks ago, um, we're doing what was supposed to be a two-part episode of what I hope to be an annual series in which we would cover some NFL over-unders. But with that being said, I'll kind of start out with the caveat that... um, you know, we were, this was going to be part two of a two-part preview in which we covered the AFC in part one and what would have been part one in today's episode being part two would have been covering the NFC. Um, but in what should be no surprise to anyone, um, I'm an idiot and I forgot to record the conversation that John and I had when we did part one covering the AFC. So all of the tremendous content, and believe me, I'm not overselling it. It was actually a really, okay. really good conversation. Uh, none of that got recorded because again, I'm an idiot. So I will stop yammering at this point. Um, I will say basically that we're going to quickly recap some of our thoughts without giving you the full essence, unfortunately, of the AFC, and then go full-blown deep dive into the NFC with this pod. Uh, but all of that being said, um, welcome back, John, as I humbly ask for your forgiveness yet again after botching the recording of the last conversation. Well, we, we are we started off right. We are recording this one. Yes. Uh, it is quite disappointing. The last one was, I, I literally thought that was our best podcast ever. It, it flowed really well. Um, we had some good football insight, and then we had some curveballs with some odd betting. And I think we'll still hit that. But if we start off with the AFC East, I think it's pretty clear Buffalo's the favorite. They're at uh, minus uh, 150 to win the division. Uh, their over-under is at 11.5. I would kind of lean towards the the over Um Especially because you're getting was, plus odds on it. Yeah, you get plus 120. I mean, I, I kind of like that. Especially, I, I think I'd rather take that than the division. Because if they get 12 wins, they got the division. Yep. Um, I know that there's like a lot of I, there's a lot of buzz with Mac Jones, with the Patriots. I, I just don't see it. I understand Belichick is, you know, greatest coach of all time. And that he's not going to miss the playoffs two years in a row. But they could because they have nothing on the offensive side. The defense is good, but it, they just have too many. They have no weapons whatsoever. Um, there will be two teams coming out of this division that make the playoffs. The question, so it's going to be Buffalo, and then the question is the Dolphins or the Patriots. And you can make an argument either way. Yeah. Uh, so guess all just all of the above is just playing up my win totals to confirm my what my projections were. Um, so 100% on the AFC in terms of, or excuse me, on the AFC East in terms of Buffalo winning. Uh, I have them over the over the 11 and a half um, over under win total as established by BetMGM. Um, I also have uh, we also you alluded to a little bit. I have Miami as another plus to go over their eight and a half win total. Um, if we're going to jump down, so two parts. We're going to jump down to the NFC North. You know. We liked Cleveland's 10 and a half, if I'm not mistaken, slightly over, even though the odds were not tasty. Um, but irrespective of the bad odds, I think the one highlight that you and I immediately and emphatically came away with is bet the mortgage, bet the farm, bet your neighbor's farm and bet your neighbor's neighbor's farm um, on the under for eight and a half for Pittsburgh. I don't care. Last I saw if you're getting minus one thirties, you know, which is trash odds. Uh, that's, that was probably the one thing we were 100% emphatically aligned with. Yeah. I mean, I don't care that Mike Tomlin hasn't 
had like a losing record ever. And I don't care how much weight Ben Roethlisberger's uh, lost in. I don't care that Najee Harris was a good pick in the first round when he wasn't. They have a garbage offensive line. Najee Harris will get reasonable stats, but he's still not going to be like, he's not going to be their like savior. And yes, they do have a good defense, but isn't like TJ Watts already out for week one. I, I thought I saw that. And they're just, a, they, they just, I mean, they have weapons, but they have no offense. The worst off, literally the, the ranked worst offensive line in football and a 39 year old quarterback who's done and their backups are atrocious. Um, the one thing I did like about this division, because I wasn't, I don't think either one of us are very confident that the Baltimore Ravens are going to go over the 11 and a half. Um, so I think we both thought that the best play was to bet the division at plus 150 for Cleveland. Yes. So instead of betting the over at uh, 10 and a half, just bet the division at plus 150 instead of going over at minus uh, 110. Especially with Cleveland basically being down to um, Gus Edwards and then you and me and now Le'Veon Bell at running back. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that, that's not good. We could get Latavius Murray. That, that could be a thing. He publicly vouched him. He wanted to go there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happened considering he's the best available commodity on the market right now. Uh, I think the other big lock, even though they were, the, I think, one of the worst odds you could get on this was um, Houston's over under at three and a half. Um, slam the living shit out of the under three and a half is about three and a half more wins than I expect them to get this season. I, 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 I know some people are like, Oh, they'll find one or two. Are you sure? Are you really, yeah. really sure they're going to find those one or two wins? Cause I'm not. Well, they found a real, uh, real uh, diamond in the rough with uh, their, their head coaching hire. Yeah. <laughs> Emphasis <laughs> on rough. Emphasis on as rough as you can possibly they, imagine. They pulled him out of nowhere. They went, oh, the Ravens are a good organization. Let's just get some rando from, from them. Or any colleague. Yeah, that's poor sap who is willing enough to take this so, job. Although, so the, they're under at three and a half is actually plus 115. And I think that's typically, I think a lot of people like to be optimistic when they look at over-unders. So I think they, they I think people tend to talk themselves into more of a, yeah, I could see them going over three and a half when in reality, yeah, you should you should hammer the under it. Wait, their under is plus one fifteen. I have the over is plus one fifteen. I have the under is plus one. Wow. Oh my god. I, I may have to sign off and go throw money at that because that's that is a gimme. Well, I also like you can bet them at exactly two wins plus four fifty. That's like so if you think they're gonna get one or two wins, why bet the under? You're already so close to two anyways why not just go swing swing for the fences yeah under i pulled up i got it up right now uh plus 115 at three and a half i'm literally logging into my bookie right now i might have to go throw money on that if i'm getting those odds um and then i will be placing wagers this saturday as you should um and then finally drowning out to the uh an afc south um sorry pulling my spreadsheet back up so kansas city at least the last i saw the over was getting um, positive returns. The over under at 12 and a half. I could very easily see 13 wins. This team going 13 and four. They're just as good as they were last year. And there's no reason to think they're going to drop off. Well, if you want to say quote unquote drop off, it's only because we were very bullish on both the chargers and the um, Broncos in the AFC, uh, particularly like their 
while the win totals in nine and a half and eight and a half respectively were a little bit stay away, we both were very bullish on them as points, as I said. Yeah, I yeah, I I think so. My point of instead of betting uh, Kansas City at going over, even though at 12 and a half, the over is plus one, uh, 120, I would rather just bet Mahomes for MVP at plus, I think he's plus 600. I'll have to double check that. But I, I think if they win 13, 14 games again, I don't think he's going to get shut out because he is the best player in the NFL. He hasn't won it in two years now. If he has another killer year, they're just going to give it to him. Um, I know we have some other candidates, mm-hmm. um, but if we jump off the MVP, stay on the AFC West, we, we, we were going to hammer the under on the for the Raiders. There's no way they're, they're winning more than seven. They're just a, just a mess of an organization. Um, Maybe the most dysfunctional organization this side of Houston. Yeah. And then the other thing was we were optimistic on Denver at eight and a half, um, kind of, they just have a ton of weapons that they can get average quarterback play out of Teddy Bridgewater. That'll be a massive upgrade and their defense is going to be killer. And also that this is the, um, we need to save Vic Fangio's job. So they've done everything they can to set him up for this season with the intention of going all in on AA Ron Aaron Rodgers um, in the off season. Okay, we will use uh, that as our transition point, and we'll now move over to the NFC. Um, so in the format that we did in the failed podcast I've been referencing, we basically went east, north, south, west, and then we went alphabetically. So again, the order we talk about them is not the order we believe their win totals are going to be. It's just we're talking about them alphabetically within each division, which unfortunately means we start off the entire conversation with uh, the wretched, godforsaken, godless team with the second most mouth-breathing fan base in the NFL, uh, this side of Pittsburgh being, and maybe Baltimore, Baltimore is definitely in that conversation. They have to be in that conversation, but I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. If you take a step back and you look at the NFC East, um, they, they face the NFC, NFC South and the AFC West. So they all have some reasonable uh, competition. Um, Dallas is currently the favorite at plus uh 135. Don't understand. And then that. the last I checked, Washington was at plus 220. Um, so right now, Dallas Cowboys are at nine and a half over under, over giving you plus 110 and under giving you minus 130. Uh, I mean, nobody's going to doubt that offensively they, they can just explode at any time. It's fireworks waiting to happen. The question is the defense is going to be garbage unless you really think what it's uh, not Gus Bradley. He's in L.A. Who's the Dan Quinn is the defense coordinator. Dan Quinn. Yeah. So, I mean, unless you think he's going to pull a rabbit out of his hat and really get that unit turned around. But I think you're you're literally banking on Dak Prescott's health. And I have no confidence. I was going to say, that's not, that's not a bank you want to be putting all of your, your earnings in. Right. So a couple, couple layers to that. So uh, in terms of your starting receivers and running back, it's really hard to argue that there is a better supporting cast in the NFL right now than what Dak has around him. Just if he just wide receivers and running back, right. Amari Cooper, CD lamb and Michael Gallup. I have been pretty open about this. I think CD lamb is going to have a boffo second year breakout. I think it's just a matter of time. Um, 
a lot of people are like, oh my God, Michael Gallup and stuff like that. And I'm like, dude, somebody's got to be the third wheel. Somebody has to be the Chris Bosch right. in this in this three-headed equation. And that's going to be Michael Gallup. Um, and you also have to figure that Cooper's massive contract is going to be up soon. So someone like Lamb is going to allow him to them to move move on from him. Uh, but if we're going back to the offense, outside of the obvious question about Dak Prescott, uh, this offensive line has got to prove it's, it can stay healthy. And so far, we're starting the season with Zach Martin on the COVID-19 list. Uh, that's not a good start. Uh, you, 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 you had Tyler Beattas at center. He's good. Uh, Connor Williams at left guard. Fine. Tyron Smith, another guy who's proved, who's got to prove he can stay healthy. So this has house of cards situation again. Like remember last year, I mean, obviously Dak's foot did what it did, but like, even without that, like it's, I, I do believe I believe Zeke is, should be high up there in terms of comeback player of the year odds and potential. But if this offensive line, um, you know, doesn't live up to its potential of, especially when everyone kind of look at looks at it from like several years ago's offensive line, um, I don't know that this offense is really going to be as good as everyone thinks it will be, present company included. Right. So Dak is actually the favorite for comeback player. Oh year. yeah, that would be Mike. That would more, make more sense. Um, but yeah, so I mean, yeah, they're they're loaded. Um, I I just Mike McCarthy's the other. Yeah. Other thing that just it's just a major negative. He's in he should inspire zero confidence in anybody. Um, so hard knocks has done the Dallas Cowboys zero favors. So boring. other than also Micah Parsons is in as insane as we thought he was. And I'm thankful that he is not in Washington. Didn't like his personality then, didn't like his personality now, or don't like his personality anymore now. Uh, you're 100% right on Mike McCarthy. Could he be any less inspiring? Like when you watch him and you're like, yeah, you were the Jason Garrett. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> fair enough. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, but good Lord, he's so milk toast, right? And I'm like, first of all, the, a, a nice little uh, Easter egg that they had the most milk toast NFL coach of any hard knock season in Joe Philbin on this season as well as the offensive line coach for the Cowboys. So I'm like, Oh, you're also, you're, you're doing the pitiful stylings of Mike McCarthy and you're doing the pitiful stylings of Joe Philbin. Well done. It's no wonder a lot of people are bitching about how lack, how uh, lackluster this year is. Um, I kind of wonder how green Bay did it with those two on their coaching staff. How they uh, won a, a, a Rogers. Yeah, yeah. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, And then they're like, well, he, he goes rogue and calls his own things. I'm like, do you blame him? Do, do, you, do, you, do you blame him with the with, with these dipshits at coach? Yeah. Um, defensively, so again, pieces, right? Like Jalen Smith has come back from that terrible injury that he had, and he's been a really, really good player. Micah Parsons, whatever. Um, right. You know, uh, and, and key, they added Keanu Neal, a uh, – not Gus Bradley. What's his name? I keep calling him Gus Bradley as well. Uh, Dan Quinn, favorite Dan from Quinn. Atlanta. Their secondary is still poopy pants, and they're yeah. they're, they're they're still poopy up the middle too. So um, their secondary is ranked twenty fifth, and a front seven is ranked twenty third. I mean, that's just awful. That's awful. They're not going to stop anybody. And then uh, I was it new uh, Tampa Bay's like eight point favorite, seven and a half point favorite on Thursday night. Tampa Bay is going to run them out of the stadium yeah there, there's some boat there's some boat race potential especially with like a rusty deck coming yeah. into this game yeah because you know todd Bowles is going to blitz him from every possible geometric angle known to mankind yeah they're they're tampa bay is going to be ready to roll and they're going to roll over these cowgirls 
Um, and then we'll see what uh, the Chargers bring to D.C. because that's who they're going to have to go on the road and face the, the next week. Um, I mean, they could easily be – I think they'll be lucky to be 3-3 three and three heading into their bye week. So that means they're going to have to come out strong on the other end of it. Right. And then they've got Minnesota, who's going to be decent. Denver, who we like. Atlanta, who the hell knows what they're going to be. Then Kansas City, that's a loss. Raiders, maybe they get that one. New Orleans, again, you don't know who. And then they they start – then they got Washington, Giants, Washington, Arizona, and Philly. So they get a – they definitely have a very easy – the easiest part of their schedule is December, December, January. Mid January is when the season goes to now. That's so. Um, Where are they playing on Thanksgiving? Uh, the Raiders. Ugh. Yeah. Good. Yeah, they, they should take that one. We won't need to pay attention to that game. Be yeah, they should time. literally. So before that is is the Chiefs. They should just forfeit that one. Spend a whole week and a half preparing for the Raiders, and try and focus on winning on Thanksgiving Day. You know, I, in my preseason predictions, which are done, I'm just publishing the rest of the content. Um, I have them at 10 wins and I feel less and less confident as the course of this conversation has taken place about my 10 win prediction. Yeah. I, I mean, if you put a, if you put a gun to my head, I would take the under and that's where the money's at. I mean, that's where the money's been hitting is the under. That's why it's minus 130. Yeah. I mean, I see them as nine and seven, which, which means a nine and seven or 10 and or sorry, nine, nine and eight, nine and eight or a 10 and seven team is going to win the division. Um, and you know who that's not going to be? It's not going to be the New York Giants. Who are at seven and a half with the over at plus 120. Hell no. And the under at minus 145. So, I mean, for me, that's a, that's a complete stay away. If I had to wager on it, though, I would absolutely take the under. Um, I think this is the classic case of they just went out and bought they, 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 as the giants are apt to do year in and year out, they went and again, blew their wad in free agency to make everyone talk about the fact that like, Oh no, watch out for the giants that they're going to coming this year. This might be their This might be the year that things come together. And, you know, maybe they'll tape together a good year. Maybe they, they've done this before and then it all comes crashing down. Um, I'm probably still going to write about this at some point during the season. When can we finally talk about the fact that Daniel Jones is not good? Like why? I, I've never stopped talking about that since the second that he was drafted and I laughed my ass off on draft night. Can we, can, I, I just, I just want to put this out there. Do you know that Daniel Jones averaged five more passing yards per game than Dwayne Haskins last year? Five. Ugh. Ugh. Do you know that Daniel Jones threw less touchdown passes than Nick Mullins did last year? Despite playing in, despite Mullins, I think playing in less games. Oh, yeah. When, 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 like, and, and it's like, okay, well, and he's he going to be year two of, of the same offense. It's Jason Garrett's offense. You, is that a good thing? Do you think Jason Garrett did anything in the offseason besides clapping to adjust the off to, to do anything? Like, there's a reason why they went out and signed Kenny Galladay and everyone's like, okay. Right. And it has nothing to do with Kenny Galladay. It has to do with the fact that this offense sucks. And also Evan Ingram making the pro bowl was the worst pro bowl selection in the history of bad pro bowl selections. And there have been a lot. This I didn't even know he made the pro bowl. He led the NFL, I think in tight end drop rates and he made the pro bowl for the NFC over Logan Thomas. 
Tell me. Good job. I, I mean, it's it's just a joke. The, the, the pass that the Giants get from the media is absolutely fucking ridiculous. I'll, I'll never get over it. And it's like, this is not in, and, and judge Joe Brown, their coach, like everyone's like, Oh, you know, they'll run through a brick wall for him. That's great. They're still suck. They're not going to be a good football team. Like, yeah. And, and it's not like they, he's getting them to be well conditioned. Like the, he's just, he's literally just beating his guys up and crushing morale at the same time. Like who wants to play for this guy? Um, so on the Daniel Jones front, He's eight and nineteen as a starter. As a starter, and four of those wins are against Washington. So he's four and nineteen against the rest of the NFL. That's against not named the Washington. rest of the NFL, and I'm just saying Washington's track record the past two years has been atrocious against the Giants. So you should not be proud of those wins. And for a quarterback who is supposed to be like he's supposed to have like a really good deep ball or a good arm and stuff like that, he's in the bottom one third of the league in terms of the passing yardage needed to complete a first down. So he is the classic guy who's going to throw for four yards on third and eight, right? He's going to, he's going to maybe get throw a nice deep pass on first down, but when you really need him to do shit, he's not going to do it. His expected completion percentage is 63% His expected completion percentage, which put him in the bottom 10 of the NFL last year. <sighs> You can say whatever you want to. You can point to the hamstring injury late in the season or whatever. This guy's not a good quarterback. No, no he's not. And I think they'll be looking to move on after this season. Good. I suppose good for them, but no. I mean, as long as he stays around, I'm pretty comfortable in the mediocrity of this team. You know, they quietly – I thought there were some, you know, interesting things they did on the defense, like Aziz Ojolari getting in the second round was probably one of the best picks in the draft. If I'm being completely honest and objective, I was because they would have taken him at 13 originally. Like there was serious consideration that in the, they would have taken him with their first round pick. Little did we know that they were trying to get Devonte Smith and got cock blocked as a result. Um, you know, the cornerbacks, depending on how you feel about them throwing a buttload of money to Dory Jackson, you know, that you put him aside, James Bradbury, that's fine. Uh, they've got, top five most overrated player in the NFL and Jibril Peppers. Good for you. Um, their defensive line's better than people think. Excuse me, the interior of the defense is better than people think. But Okay, because I was going to say their front seven's ranked 22nd. Uh, not that great. Dexter Lawrence is actually really, really good. I've always been a Danny Shelton guy. I know they got him for like a reserve role, but yeah. I thought he's, 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 he's quite good. Uh, their linebackers are still nothing to get excited about for the umpteenth season in a row. Uh, I, you know... I'd they have a tough schedule though too. Their their schedule's ranked twenty second. Um, I mean, when I look at their schedule, I look at at the first nine weeks before they hit their bye. They could be zero and nine, to be honest. I mean, there is Nothing. no there's no Houston, no Detroit in there, no Nothing. Eagles in there. It's it's a tough stretch. I mean, they're all playoff contending teams in those not first nine weeks. You things would warm my heart more than seeing the Giants at 0 and 9 in the first nine weeks of the season. Okay, so, that would so we're going to hammer the under them. That's what we're talking ourselves into. I, I can't. I, I, it's seven wins at best. At best, this is a seven-win team. There's no chance yeah. that, that, this is, that they're going to go over that number. There's just no chance. Lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, man. Go with that. All right. I like it. Um, so when you, when you go to the next team in the division, the Eagles actually have a – very easy schedule because they were so terrible last year. They have the third easiest schedule and they're at six and a half, the over minus 160, the, the under over? plus 
Yeah. So they're they're like this weird number because at, at six and a half, they're minus one sixty over plus one thirty five under. And at seven and a half, they're plus one twenty over minus one forty five under. So they're it's really their, their line is seven wins. And it depends on where you want to go. It, it's it's really, really awkward. So let me, let me make it abundantly clear which direction I want to go. It's spelled U N D E R. All right. I, I, the, I have them in last place in the division. And I just talked about the giants being a seven and 10 football team. Uh, so the Eagles, so are we not... should go under at plus plus one thirty five. Yes, a good absolutely. A hundred percent. I write that down. People who are connected to the Eagles and people who know the thinking of the Eagles are basically like, they're just riding it out with Jalen Hurts right now because they're waiting for somebody John whose Watson. name whose name might rhyme with LaShawn Dotson. Oh, I, I've heard of that guy. Right. Sounds intriguing. They're, or it's basically like, it's two things. Number one, they're just like, if Jalen Hurts hits, great. We've made it work. And if it doesn't, we knew it wasn't going to work in the first place. Well, isn't this another one of these scenarios like like Tua in Miami that we talked about um, in the AFC and like Dwayne Haskins where ownership just came in and said, no, you're taking this guy? That was exactly what happened. And I, I, I wish more people would talk about it. Uh, Shio Kapadia, who we had on the podcast in the beginning of the season, wrote uh, right. along with a few, a few other uh, Philadelphia focused writers for the athletic and other publications, I believe did this massive expose about basically how very similar to what happened with Haskins, as you said, to a lesser extent, although Tua was an ownership pick, but basically they were like, look, we have the second round pick. We should bolster the team. And Jeffrey Lurie's like, I really like this Jalen hurts guy. You got to take this Jalen hurts guy. And everyone's like, you don't want to take the Heisman uh, Heisman candidate quarterback with a quarterback already in town who's got a fragile psyche and his teammates don't already like him and you're going to introduce another guy they're like yeah we're going to take Jalen Hurts and that's exactly what they did and it made no sense and it fucked things up in an already fucked up organization so now it's exactly going back to the Haskins the uh, you know situation they're like we should probably part ways with him or they're like yeah what can we do to kind of get rid of this after already making that mistake um so yeah, Hertz is not, I, I, I have, I've said this, pardon all the listeners have heard me talk about this topic for a thousand times. Wife, I'm married to an Alabama alumna. I've watched every game that Jalen Hurts has started in Alabama. I've watched every game that Tua Tagovailoa started in Alabama. When Jalen Hurts took the team to the national championships, I said, great, he's the second best quarterback on his team. Right. Right. And this is before Tua even started. I'm like, he's the second best quarterback. Wonderful. Good for you. You're writing Nick Saban's coattails. And like, well, he was a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. I'm like, my grandmother can throw for 5,000 yards in the Big 12 with Lincoln Riley. And I don't have a grandmother right now. Like, that is, it, it, it's a sham that, you know, we're, that we're using that as a reference point. I agree. And I also have zero confidence in um, the Eagles head coach. Nick. I don't. I think Sirianni's fine. I think he's just he's I, no, he's he comes off as a complete nutter boob to me, and he inspires nothing. He actually reminds me of I don't know Doug Peterson light. Well, that's kind of what they went with that pick instead of just yeah. firing, instead of just keeping Doug Peterson. They went yeah. for, so for, you went for a worse version of the coach that you had. Yeah. Good job, guys. Good job. Let me bet that under. Thank you so much for my free money. Um. I have a hard time disagreeing with anything you're saying right now. Uh, the one that, if you want to talk about really, really dumb things that the team has done, um, Jalen Rieger over Justin Jefferson, 
that 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 is that is the pick that just keeps on paying, man. There's that great clip of the eagle of the like the 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 Vikings front office laughing when the Eagles made that pick and because they knew they were going to go get Justin Jefferson and God, I mean, uh, imagining Justin Jefferson in the NFC East is terrifying, but thankfully we don't have to. And as I've said many many times, um, the next TCU receiver you tell me to do well will be the first TCU receiver you tell me to do well. And Jalen Rieger is a TCU wide receiver. I have no faith in that dude. I don't care what anyone tells me. I feel the opposite about Devonte Smith. That shouldn't be any surprise to anyone. Um, right, the but baller. He's just small. But and uh, my, my other guy, who I was really, really mad that I could not acquire in the offseason, even though I tried to put some feelers out. Uh, I think Dallas Goddard is great. I think he's an excellent, excellent tight end. Like ob- I, I can't speak for fantasy numbers because I don't know what that offense is going to look like. But objectively speaking, I believe he's a top ten tight end in the NFL. I think he's great, and I've loved him since he came out of South Dakota or wherever he was. But um, I, it's I not the slight. Zach Ertz is still on that team. I'm surprised it, because they haven't been able to trade him yet. Like they're walking that fine line between like we can't trade one of the most beloved players on the franchise, but we don't have he has no future with this team. Right. Right. It's a little bit of the dare I say Ryan Kerrigan situation, ironically, with him being there. Uh, this team is you know they're old on the defensive line. They're uninspiring at linebacker. Um, there's pieces, I suppose, maybe on the secondary. This is not a good football team. Everyone knows it. There's no reason to believe even the seven-win th- uh, plateau is real, or the seven-win threshold is real. Nope. I agree. Okay. Now let's go down to business. The Washington football team. I will start let's right go. here. Go. Eight and a half wins is the over-under. What, what, are we yep. getting on, what are we getting on the over? Minus 130. Oh. People are very confident. So I'm, I'm of the opinion you stay away from the over and you bet the division. Because if they go over eight and a half, that means they're in that 9-10 win, which I think is going to win the division. So just go ahead and grab them to win the division at whatever you can get them at. Right now they're over plus 200. You've heard me say this. Let's just talk about, objectively speaking, the eight and a half win total. They won seven games out of 16 last year, as you said, with the worst quarterback play in the NFL. Pat talks about this all the time. The worst quarterback play in the NFL with a complete boob of a quarterback and a boob of a human being and Dwayne Haskins for the first quarter to third of a season. And then a couple of moonlight games in the second half of the year. Yeah, he played way more than you remember. Uh, Alex Smith on one leg for a large portion of the season. We started Kyle Allen for a little while and then a quarter and a half of Taylor Heineke in the regular season. They did that. Chase Young missed a little bit of time early in the season. And Matt Ioannidis missed the entire season. Point of all of this, they won seven games last year. And you're telling, and, and, and then they, regardless of how you feel about Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's better than the, everything that I just talked about. Yes. Right. Absolutely. 100%. We had this bottom three group of wide receivers in the NFL that is swung in the total opposite direction right now. And you're telling me they're not going to win two more games. Right. So the, the only caveat that, that, that I can argue is they had an easy schedule and they didn't play any uh, any high powered offense last year. So I, they, if I'm just giving the counter argument, the counter argument is that the defense had an easier time and looked better than they were. They have a nasty schedule. My counter argument is that the defense got better, a lot better um, this offseason. Uh, as you said, bringing Ionites back, that just solidifies their, their inside. Uh, the, the defensive tackles are just studs. They still have the best pass rushing defensive ends in the NFL. The linebackers are better. And then you're going to see 
the one weakness, as we said, the one weakness they do have is their linebackers. And you're going to see less linebackers on the field because they have studs in the secondary now. They're going to drop Landon Collins down to to mask some of the deficiencies they have at speed there. I mean, you're looking at a, you know, uh, with, with curl in the, in the, in the back and somebody like a Bobby McCann and, and, and the guys we have, they have there, they could do that, put, London, um, London Fletcher, uh, Landon Collins as you know, your Buffalo nickel, you've got depth at cornerback. This is going to be a very, very, very good defense. Understanding they play some very good teams and there's a tough schedule. Um, I, I have them very firmly drinking the Burgundy and gold Kool-Aid or the maroon and black, if you will. Uh, I have them at 11 wins. Wow. It I have them 11 wins. Wow. And I, I am always the pessimist. Is 10. Yeah. I have them at 11 and six. Because again, they're they're playing a first place schedule and they have the twenty eighth ranked schedule. So they have a very hard schedule. Yep. Um, yeah, it's yeah. they've got the they've got that awful five step of the NFC East towards the end. I know they've got Tampa on the schedule. I know we have Kansas Isn't City that on the a schedule. Good thing though, to like end the season with a bunch of chumps. With like mostly with the division, mostly with the Eagles. Uh, we always, and it's the one thing that irks me. I know Somehow they even split. It was split with the Cow- uh, with the Giants, right? And like that irks me even more than like losing to the Cowboys for some reason, just because I think the Giants are just such a worthless football team. Um, yeah, so you know you have the Bucks on the schedule, you have the Chiefs on the schedule, um, the Bills, you have the Bills on the schedule, the Packers. Uh, it's it's the it's, only it's, top contending team they don't have would be the the the, the Rams and Niners. Otherwise, and the, they have legit Super Bowl contenders. And the Browns, maybe if you if you feel about that way too, yeah. Don't quite put them in Super Bowl contention. The only, yet, and it's funny because like even the soft teams you want to put it like they have to play at Carolina, and Carolina has sleepy vibes this year. I'm not gonna say they're gonna be great. Um, like the only real cupcake I think, if you want to say, is like at Oakland or Las Vegas, right? The game we were supposed to, right. we're potentially gonna go to. That was that's that, and like. I, I am I'm very bearish on the Saints. I, I find nothing. I, I was, that was my next one. The Saints in DC. Yeah, I am pretty confident they take that one. Um, that was about it. And then the Falcons. We'll we'll, we'll get there on both teams. But I, I have very low aspirations for them. Um, yeah, I, so, yeah, I think that I think the record's going to look rather mediocre heading into December, and then December they're just going to roll off a bunch of wins, and they're going to take the division. That was kind of their mo last year: start slow fin- yeah. and finish strong. And I, I completely agree; I wouldn't be surprised at all if that was if that. I happens. don't think they're going to start slow because of last year. I mean, they started slow because it was a whole new team trying to get everything together, and it was a COVID year. It was just a jacked up year. This year's still jacked up. I just think that the front end of their schedule is tougher, and their back end. They're just going to pick it up. They're going to pick up steam. They're going to have confidence. And coming out of their bye, they're just going to – I think they're going to start rolling in. Nice midseason bye. And, again, well-coached team, which when is the last time we ever said this? Yeah. Um, no, I have 11 wins. Uh, that's me. I'm not necessarily encouraging anyone, but your point about <coughs> winning the division is uh, and taking the odds that's on the that division. Is, 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 is a great call. Um, speaking of division favorites, moving on to the north – so, um, oh no, actually, sorry, I, my my uh, my alphabetical alphabeticalness is wrong. Um, we'll start in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, so Chicago, obviously, maybe the buzziest team in the entire offseason. Um, one for the obvious drafting of Justin Fields. Um, I mean, that really that was really the headline acquisition and over there. In you know the buying Matt Nagy's ass some more time over there, even though as we're talking about yesterday, 
Yeah. Again, he's not as we, as we discussed previously and for, as a privy to listeners who um, weren't there for our fantasy draft last night. Uh, I, I don't like Matt Nagy as the first coach fired. I think he has bought plenty of time for himself um, in very classic CYA fashion between him and Ryan Pace by drafting um, Justin Fields and getting another gear out of him. If I were, if you can wager on the first coach fired, uh, you know, slam the shit out of Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. I think that's a layup. I think it's an absolute layup. So yeah, back to yeah. Chicago. So they have a reasonable schedule like coming up. I mean, they start the season with, with the, the Rams which I think they're going to get just in LA. That's the first game with fans in that stadium. I think the Rams are going to absolutely light them on fire. Um, and then they follow that up with Cincinnati, who is on their level at home game. They can win. Then the Browns then Detroit, another team that they should win. Las Vegas should be competitive. Green Bay is going to blow them out. Tampa Bay is going to blow them out. San Francisco is going to blow them out. And then they've got, Pittsburgh. So at what point do you bring in fields? Is Pittsburgh before the buy? Pittsburgh's right before the buy. That's when they bring in fields. So they'll get through that murderer's row and then they're going to bring in fields. Cause Cause they'll, you you would think that like after like four weeks of Andy Dalton, you'd be sick of them. I think you look at the schedule and you're like, I can't bring them in now. We've got green Bay, Tampa Bay, 49ers and Pittsburgh. No, we're not going to bring them in. As you said, they will be like two and six at that point in the season. Right. And then, and then after that, they'll be like, okay, let's, 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 let's uh, let the kid in. When is their bye week? I'm looking at their schedule right now. Oh, it's, it's after, it's after. So they could potentially talk about bringing him against the Ravens, which ain't fun, but like they might try to do that after the Steelers game um, unless they win that. But even then I could probably see them um, losing and then bringing in fields after that. Like Andy Dalton have a really classic Andy Dalton, three interception, four yards, a completion type of game. In a cold, yeah. I mean, cold the scary part is they could jump out the gates two and two, in which everybody's like, "See, Andy Dalton's not bad." Oh, I think and that's then, exactly what's going to happen. Yeah, then he's gonna he's gonna light himself on fire. So I, if if I could bet an over under on Justin Fields starting, I would not put it. I would I I bet over 10, 10 weeks. I I bet him for the Ravens game. That's when he'll start after yeah. the bye. I think it's right. There's right. no way he starts any sooner than that. I agree with both of them. He's not starting before the bye. And I think they put the, at the bye week they put him in. Yeah, that that's that. I think that's that's all that needs to be said here. There's nothing else interesting about this team. Um, uh, Detroit. Um, wow. I am. I am yeah. just. I'm just gonna say one thing. Uh, I have Detroit with the worst record in the NFC. Plain and oh, simple. Yeah, easy. Yeah. I don't so have them with the worst record in the NFL, but I think bottom three. So their over under is four and a half, and over is Whoa. minus one fifty, and under is plus one twenty five. Why wouldn't you just take the under? Under like four, you think they're winning more than four? I have them at five. Is crazy ass Dan Campbell going to get them to four, five wins? I think Dan Campbell. So I let me be very clear that I don't think Dan Campbell in any way, shape, or form is a good coach. I want to be emphatically clear about that. Uh, and while I do think Anthony Lynn is a a uh, good offensive coordinator. The two yeah. of them collectively represent maybe the two dumbest coaches in the NFL in terms of like overall strategy, right? Can you imagine them brawling down? It'd be epic. Could you imagine them trying to figure out how a clock works? <laughs> right? Like literally just looking at a clock and figuring out how, like how they're supposed to tell time. 
I, I, I just, I don't think it's actually feasible for them. And I want to then go one step further. They're going to quickly learn this, as will the folks in Detroit. Jared Goff is not a good quarterback. Jared no, Goff is a, is a really Jared Goff was Jared Goff was his career was over until Sean McVay came to the Rams and resurrected him. I won't go that far. I think Jeff Fisher did a damn fine job of trying to ruin him as much as possible. Um, no, but what we've seen, maybe he wasn't helping himself. He wasn't helping himself. I, I'm a big situation of being in a bad. Uh, I'm a big believer in being in a bad situation brings out the worst in everybody and, and is not conducive to success, no matter how good you are. But I think the league quickly figured out that if you take away Jared Goff's first read, he has no idea what he's doing. Like he has no idea. He's not. He's a one read and oh shit quarterback if there ever was one in the NFL, and he doesn't have a single read to throw the ball to in Detroit outside of maybe T.J. Hawkinson. it's got to be the worst group of receivers in the NFL. I'm struggling to find, I mean, maybe Houston. I I was going to say they're ranked 31st. Um, So yeah, there is, there is somebody worse than them. I mean, maybe if you've got Brandon cooks in the poopoo platter over there, but otherwise I can't think of any, the jets are worse than the, no, the jets are not worse. I know you're just, you're just a messenger. The Jets are not I'm worse just, than, the, than the Lions. Looking at the rain, because you know? I'm like, I like Elijah Moore better than he's the best receiver out of all of them. Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Corey and Jamison Crowder. I'd take any of those. Oh, sorry, guys. sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh my God, I was looking at running backs. Oh, okay, yeah. That's the Jets good. are ranked 32nd for running backs. They're 29th for receivers. My apologies. Um, no, they have a nice tie between Detroit and Houston. They're both ranked sense. 31st. Okay. That makes sense. I, need, I would give also 30 seconds for the Jets running backs. That also makes sense. Tevin Coleman and the other guy, Michael Carter. Michael Carter. Michael Carter, like maybe like he's a flyer uh, fantasy yeah. guy. I don't, I, just because just because somebody's got to get some damn carries, you know. Um, so I would like to say that um, Dan Campbell drinking the insane amount of coffee Definitely, I see them getting the four wins based off that. Was it, he drinks two ventes with double shots of espresso, which comes out to eight hundred and twenty milligrams of caffeine? Aren't you just basically snorting the white stuff at that point? In so coffee one form? cup of coffee is a hundred. A single cup of coffee is a hundred milligrams. If I take a pre-workout, that's three hundred milligrams, and I start barking at people like I'm in Baku, like I'm. <laughs> Like I just go nuts on that stuff. So if I had 820 milligrams, I would be off the freaking walls. So you had two and a half, more than two and a half of those. Yeah. Yeah. So I do give him some serious credit for that. Heaven help you, man's heart, man. The man's a champ. Uh, That notwithstanding, regardless of how you feel about that, um, uh, the quarterback sucks, and the thing that sucks even more is their defense. Their defense is going to be really, really bad. The part, the back seven of their defense is as bad wow. as any back seven in, in the NFL. I mean, yeah. it's got to be, it's got to be as, yep. as literally as bad as anybody's. They have, uh, there's a little bit of pieces on the front four, but no, uh, they they can't move the football and they can't stop anyone from moving the football. But other than that, they'll be a good team. So I'm thinking I will place a small wager on under four and a half wins for them, like a small wager, like. There, I will put it this way, if it wasn't for Houston, but there is some one of Dr. Strange's 14,605 potential outcomes where Detroit is the worst team in the NFL this year. 
I, it's it's not likely that still goes to Houston. That's still going to go to Houston. Um, but there is one of the congratulations you get Spencer Spencer Rattler or Sam Rattler. Howell. Congratulations, you get Sam Howell. Yes, you get Mitch Trubisky. Yeah, Mitch Trubisky two point Um, all right, can we go to a good team now? Let's go to Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, 10 and a half wins over plus 110. How is that not obvious? There's no chance they don't win more than 10 games. Top three roster in the NFL. At worst, top four. At worst. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no, there's just no way. I, I, I know, I think I looked at their schedule and I felt when I got to 12 wins. It's a I mediocre think- schedule. When they're, I got, they're ranked 17th, so they're like dead center. On I think when I finished 12 wins, I felt like I was being conservative with that. Right. They're a 14-win team. Yeah. I, I, I didn't go that high because I thought silly things might happen, but I, I just can't see them going under 12 wins. And that's Doesn't this have the last dance vibes? It like, does I have know, last like, dance all vibes. All the Aaron Rodgers drama, whatever that happened, but he's there. He's committed to this season. And he, I think he's committed heavily into this season and he's got his teammates riding with him. And it's literally like, instead of Phil Jackson walking in and dropping the last dance notebook down, it's Aaron Rodgers doing it. Cause him and Devontae Adams are leaving after the season. They're done. And right. so they want to, they want to, they want to go out with a bang and I, I'm, I'm in, I'm all in. Can't you imagine those two cashing out in free agency after, after potentially winning a ring like that? I mean, Rogers is going to cash in regardless, but yeah, in Denver. Uh, no, yeah, in Denver. Uh, at twelve wins, take it to the bank. Uh, I, I don't even think twice about this. I the over under I have on my list is ten and a half, and I think that's a farce. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I I I might have to if all right. So if my betting is like you know in increments of whatever one two three, like if the standard bet's one, I think this is a four. You, you, you quadruple what your standard bet would be on this one. You said the return was shitty, though, right, for the over? No, it's plus 110. It's plus 110? I thought I, thought I was thinking minus 110 in my head. It's minus 130 on the under. I guess because people are – because they're nervous about the Aaron Rodgers drama. Oh, I feel quite the opposite, no, actually. No, who's going to – who's going to uh, – and moving on to the next team in a moment, but, like, who's, who's going to take the division? Who is going to give them trouble in the division? Right, let's let's actually move from there because so – right. That's the funny part. If you bet the, them to win the division, it's minus 165. Right. No, thank you. So I'll take you're, you, you know it's a cakewalk for them to win the division, but you're spooked out by 11 wins? Well, that's because no other team is has a, a higher win rate of eight and a half. That's the highest of the uh, other teams in the division. The other teams just aren't. I mean, as we said, Bears aren't going to be good, and Detroit's going to be one of the worst team in the NFC. So then, the only other team is Minnesota, and they're right? going to be fine. And how long is Kirk Cousins going to miss when he gets COVID? Or when uh, – oh, who's the backup from Texas A&M? Kellen Mond. Kellen Mond gets COVID as well at the same time, and they have to start some rando off the street. Uh, can we take a quick left turn and talk about the fact that um, they just upped Kirk Cousins for two years and $66 million on top of the gross contract they gave him the first time, and they basically spent all of April being like, you do know we're going to draft your replacement, right? Like, they were this close, and I mean this close to drafting Justin Fields. 
it is well documented. They were going to take Justin Fields if the Bears didn't trade up and get him. And that's when they did the panic trade back to go get Darisaw, who has not played a snap this preseason, by the way. I know. I feel bad because, I, I mean, that was, you know, he's a hokey. He is a Virginia State guy. And, and like, I have no ill will towards the Vikings or Kirk Cousins, to be honest. I, I, I enjoyed his time in D.C. I'm salty with Kirk Cousins, but I, 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 I like Mike. He's a crazy Christian freak. You know? I, I like Mike Zimmer. I, don't, I, I have nothing against the Vikings. I like Mike Zimmer. I, like, uh, I, like, I love Dalvin Cook, irrespective of my fantasy uh, perspective Jefferson this year. Great. Justin Jefferson's great. Um, I didn't think he'd be this good. I have to be completely honest. Like, yeah. I knew it would be good. But I didn't think, like, holy shit, good like this, right? Um, and that Jamar Chase would not. Jamar well, Chase, still, had, jury's Jamar jury's Chase had drama. He's, it's only the preseason. By the way, quick left turn there as well. There are like, there's already, I mean, this is typical Washington fans, but people like freaking out about Jamin Davis. And I'm like, it's been two and a half preseason games and we are here already. Like you're already using the B word. And by B word, I mean bust. Like, Oh, what? I still want to bet him to win defensive uh, rookie of the year. I, I can't, I can't. Washington fans are just, like every other NFL fan base are just completely you can't moved. put any stock into anything in the preseason. The preseason is so it's so meaningless now. It's it's I don't even know why they play the games. It's utterly like they meaningless. They should just do inner squad scrimmages and broadcast that because that would probably show you more. You're not wrong. Um, You're really not. But back on point. So um, what was the point with where I was going with Minnesota? So Minnesota, I don't know what your point was. So I'm going to take us back. So Minnesota, nine and a half. Can they make win 10, 10 games? Uh, I have uh, that's so in using your parlance, that's a stay away from me. But yeah. at the same time, I what was the over under? Nine and a half. I can't over see going over. I, I just they could catch lightning in a bottle and maybe get it, but like exactly but, everything has to break for them to get ten wins. Is is the way that I was looking at it because I well they get three to four wins because they get Detroit and Chicago right, so they get a leg up there, and then you know they have the Eagles. Um, man, they really don't have any other cakewalks. I mean they they've got a tough schedule. They do have a t- I mean. It's their schedule. So Green Bay has a slightly easier strength of schedule than Minnesota. You know, and it's funny because like they, they're, they're the same team that they kind of always are, which means they're going to be hard to play. They're going to be well coached or like they're right. going to, you know, they're, they're going to play like hard. Patterson. They got past his prime Patrick Patterson. Um, and they got Bashad Breland. They do have Bashad Breland and they have yet again, another thin secondary um, solid linebackers or two of the three solid linebackers and a solid defensive line, although not quite what it's been. Years. Be it's going to be fine. It's, it, it's going to be fine. It's they're, they're going to be in. I, I think they're a playoff team because there's seven playoff teams. Oh yeah. I forgot about the seven playoff. Do I have them as a seven playoff team? The NFC? They've got to flirt with it for sure. Two. Yeah. They're in the mix. I, I, I only counted two wild cards as usual. No, just kidding. I don't have them in the mix. Well, it's between them and one another team. We'll talk about who that is in a second. Um, stay away. I have them at nine and eight. Uh, I have no confidence in either going above nine and a half or going below nine and a half, right? Like, it's just, I, I don't know. No, no, no thank you in either direction. No, I'm good with that. What do you have moving to the NFC South? Uh, what's the over under right now for the Atlanta Falcons? I haven't even looked. Seven and a half. Okay. Um, so the over is minus 140. So people are going over. What? And the, yeah. 
minus 140 over plus 125 under seven and a half. So the Atlanta Falcons are going to win eight games. Like this year's Atlanta Falcons. This year's Atlanta Falcons are going to win eight games because Kyle Pitts is going to be offensive rookie of the year. Did anyone watch their defense last year that did got, got worse? Did, 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 did that just happen? Am I being so again, if, 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 if we look at their rankings, their, their front seven ranked 28th, their secondary ranked 29th. And they just traded away their best wide receiver. They have no running. I mean, Mike Davis no is a fine back. running back, but Mike Davis is not going to make anyone forget about Todd Gurley in his prime. Uh, they have no offensive line. I, I, I have them in my notes. I have them. I, I agonize for a while between six and seven wins. And you're yeah. telling me that seven and a half over is where the money is going. That is patently right. absurd. Patently That's absurd. That's where it's at. That's where it's at. I think, I think maybe it's because like Bill Simmons keeps floating out that Atlantis is like, oh, that Bill Simmons, that, that Atlanta Falcon team's going to, they're going to be good. Bill Simmons hasn't, paid, like hasn't, been, hasn't watched any good football. By the way, did anybody see the Bill Simmons comment he made about Shang-Chi where he basically, he was making like bad Chinese jokes, calling it the Shanghai Express or whatever. And I'm like, don't pretend to be like your friends with David Chang and stuff like that. And then make like, you know, backhanded Asian jokes. Like seriously, like I know you're turned into a Boston douchebag, but like at least try to hide it a little bit. Like I thought that was kind of, that was, that was a little classless. I thought it was a very entertaining Marvel uh, foray into Kung Fu movie. I thought, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was entertaining. It was definitely a back half of Marvel movies, but still, still very watchable. Yeah. But anyway, Bill Simmons, uh, I, I, I've sold my stock in him quite some time ago, and I'm very happy that I've done so. Getting back on point, it is it, anybody who thinks the Atlanta Falcons are going to be a competitive team this year doesn't understand football. That, that's, and I, I have nothing against Atlanta. I don't hate them. I, I have nothing against well, them. Arthur Smith's going to make their offense better. Arthur Smith is not fucking Merlin, man. Like, he's not going to get, <laughs> like, and again, I just, I've said this over and over and over again. When is the last rookie tight end to go ape shit? Name me one. Isn't it Rob Gronkowski? No, I don't. He, I don't think he went ape shit his first year. He went ape shit very quickly after that. Again, I think Kyle Pitts will be in the Pro Bowl in three it's years. I do. Kellen Winslow. No. Again, no. no. Definitely, no. definitely wasn't Kellen All, Winslow Jr. It's. I have to go back in my column that I wrote, but it's just the average output for a rookie tight end in year one is like four hundred yards receiving. It's bad. It's one of the hardest positions to transition for college. Kyle Pitts isn't a tight end. It doesn't matter. He's, He's a receiver. We said that about Eric Ebron. We said that about TJ Hawkinson. We said that about a no, lot of, we said a lot Kyle of tight ends. Way different. Right. He's not, he's, he's not, he's not a tight end. He's not a tight end. He's a okay. receiver. So they're playing him in a tight end, but he's let's a say he's not a tight end. Let's just say he's big receiver. Let's say he's uh, Marcus Colston, right? Where he's uh, like, you know, he's basically a receiver, but like people think he's a tight end, right? But he's basically a receiver. Where are all these statistical uh, numbers coming from? Statistical numbers. Where's all this production coming from? When you also have Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage eating a ton of targets. Oh, and also they throw the ball a ton to Mike Davis as well. The road where where Kyle Pitts turns into this 1,500-yard, 12-touchdown machine that everyone thinks he's going to be doesn't exist. And it's, it's one of the stupidest fantasy gimmicks I can think of. I right love now. it because I actually had delusions of wagering money on, on Kyle Pitts for offensive rookie of the year. And I'm 
totally it, talked out of it. It is Trevor Lawrence. I can't believe anyone would think otherwise. I agree. Trevor Lawrence is going to throw for 4,500 yards and 29 to 30 touchdowns. He's going to break Baker Mayfield's numbers. And I don't give a damn about Trevor Lawrence. I really don't. But they're going to be behind all the time. And he's going to throw the ball a lot. And he is still one of the most preternatural quarterback prospects we've seen in years. Anybody, including our friend who talked about this in our draft fantasy draft last night, who thinks that Trevor Lawrence is not going to be a good quarterback is a fucking idiot. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. And I, 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 I don't give a damn about Trevor Lawrence one way or another. I really don't. So Trevor Lawrence's numbers, when he was drafted, he was at plus 200 to win offensive rookie of the year. And now he's at plus 350 on bet MGM. I think you can get him at better odds than that at other books. If the Jaguars win about six games, which I think Mac Jones is the only one that gives me some pause and not because Mac Jones is going to be a good quarterback is because if Mac Jones gets them to eight or nine wins, people will start talking about it. Right. Again, awards are about narrative. That's the only reason why it's not because I'm suddenly saying Mac Jones is a good quarterback. No, let's not get it twisted there. Right. It's that that's just what it is. But if you're talking about like Trevor Lawrence is going to be that like 4,500 yard quarterback on a bad team. And it depends if the Jaguars can get to that six, seven win plateau, then people might give them enough buzz. But if they end up to be a losing team, which I think they will be. And I think we're in alignment on that. um, Then maybe not, but I I still think it's going to be hard to take it away from him. Uh, so I'm absolutely the way that the, 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 this trend is heading in a direction that is very favorable, in my opinion, because I'm of the opinion that Trevor Lawrence is going to run away with this and that the, there are these other little, you know, these storylines that are popping out of nowhere that are just taking people's eyes off the prize and they're not realizing how clear this picture is. Justin Fields plus 700. No, we just talked about him. He's not even going to play till week 11. No shade so of Justin no Fields. It's that not, he has. Nope. Same with with uh, Trey Lance. He's at plus seven fifty. Sorry, I have the numbers in front of me, so I'm just going Do off it. of them. Do it. There's no way that Trey Lance sees more than what seven games he starts. Really? I mean, <laughs> the only outside you put the over under at seven. Wouldn't you bet the under? The only outside path started to Trey Lance somehow winning the rookie of the year is if a legitimate two quarterback system, which has never worked in the NFL, never worked in the NFL somehow succeeds. And it has never N E V E R never worked. And has it, I I know it's been done in the college system, but has it ever worked at a level where you're like, wow, this is, this is a, this is a contender, like not just a, not just a good team, but like a legit contender. No, no. That's the only scenario. So short answer is no. And I think Zach Wilson, while he may, I would not bet a lot of money on it. While he may be good as a rookie, I would not bet a lot of money on it. Again, being very clear, uh, the Jets are going to be a bad team. They're just going to get beat up a lot. So no. So he's at plus 900 um, of all those names. Yeah, I would dominate my dollars with uh, Trevor. And if you wanted to sprinkle a little bit of insurance and buy low on Zach Wilson now, you could do that. Or just bet it all on Trevor Lawrence and then just watch how the season progresses. And then as, as the money keeps, as it, as his odds go back to probably go negative because he's going to be the, the hardcore favorite halfway through the season, you'll be very happy that you bought early. Yeah. There's somebody I had, I'm going back into my notes who I was like, I was kind of eyeballing as, um, as a, a rookie of the year candidate, dark horse. I'm trying to pull it up. Give me a second. Just pulling my notes back up. Um, Darren Waddle, uh, Devonte Smith, 
Devante, uh, it's, it's Devante Smith and Jalen Waddle. I'm like, you can have conversations about it, right? Like you can, you can talk to me into it. I, I'm, I'm not as bullish. I took Jalen Waddle in our fantasy draft and I'm still not as bullish. It was only because of a value pick, but I'm not as right. bullish on like everybody being like, oh my God, two is going to start throwing 50 yard passes down the field now. Right. Is it Trey Sermons? Because you think he's just going to dominate? No, it was it was Devontae Smith. It was Devontae Smith was the one who I was like, I could have a conversation about that just because I think he's, he's plus sixteen hundred. And plus, yeah, and, and see my. I'd rather buy Lawrence now at this number, and if Devontae Smith starts screaming up the boards, I can jump on that train at a later date. It's just my thought process. Um, I am as. It, if you hadn't gathered already, selling and selling hard on anything Kyle Pitts as a rookie, as a rookie. Okay. Year two, wow. year three, totally different story, but just as a rookie. Right. All right. Uh, moving to, that's all I have to say about that. Atlanta, there's nothing else special about them. Um, Carolina. Okay. So a couple things here. I find well, it patently, abs- throw, patently absurd that no one's talking under. about Christian McCaffrey. Start there with, start with the other over, over under before we start getting the ranting. Seven and a half, and it's at and very even seven and a half. So it's minus 110 over minus 110 under. So they're dead set at seven and a half wins. And I agree, Christian McCaffrey um, is a huge storyline for them. And no one's talking about it. Nobody's, Nobody's talking, talking about, about Christian it. McCaffrey. Literally, they've talked about every, every everything else, like the defense, which I do think will be good. They've talked a ton about that. Everyone obviously talking about Sam Darnold's quarterback position. I get it. But like, it's the guy who put up one of the most statistically dominant seasons over the past X number of years. And it's like, is almost an afterthought irrespective of him being the consensus number one in most fantasy leagues or every fantasy league. Um, I will be drafting him tomorrow night. In as, my you should, league. as you should. So what I find hilarious. So when you look at comeback player of the year odds, Dak Prescott, of course, is a favorite because you know, he's the Cowboys starting quarterback. Of course, he's got that marketing angle. He's at plus two twenty. Then it goes to Saquon Barkley at plus 800, Joe Burrow at plus 800, and then Christian McCaffrey at plus 850 on betting CMC. Imagine him doing another thousand and thousand season, which is very possible, right? Don't you think, because Carolina doesn't have any tight ends of of worth, don't you think he's going to get a bunch of dump-off targets? Yes, absolutely. And – you know, both the receivers are capable, but it's like, you know, he can run the football, obviously. So, yeah. Um, I, I have zero faith in Dak. I have no faith in Saquon. And Joe Burrow is going to be on a garbage team. So why wouldn't I take Christian McCaffrey, who's, as we said, he's the best fantasy player, which, again, fantasy equals media and it gets attention. People are going to people are going to watch him and go, wow, he's doing all, he's, he's back. He's back. And um, yeah, that's a, I, I think it's a no brainer at plus 850. I mean, I'm not telling you to put your mortgage on it, but you, whatever, you want to throw anywhere from 40 to $100, that's a, that's a nice return. You want to put a couple units on it. No one's going to tell you that you're stupid for doing so. Exactly. I would probably do, if we're talking units, two to three. Yeah. Uh, as far as the over-under, you alluded to it earlier. It is a big stay away, big fat stay away. Hell yeah, stay away. Uh, I could make arguments in both directions, maybe up to eight or nine wins. I could absolutely make an argument for six or seven wins. Uh, I have them at a very solid seven um, with no confidence whatsoever in terms of either direction. So that's where I have them land, landing. Um, no, that's, that they're appropriately right there. 
All right. So one thing that's been bothering me is mm. people have been, all right, I'm not going to call them people. I'm going to call them straight up morons. Yep. Have been saying, questioning Christian McCaffrey's durability. And, oh, he's, he's not durable. I go, last year was the first year he's hurt. His three previous seasons, he played all 16 games. The guy's a stud. Like, you, why the, would you question his durability? The one game he came back after missing that much time, he put up monster numbers again. He is, when he gets on the field, he is one of the most singularly dominant NFL players consistently. Anybody who questions Christian McCaffrey in your term is a fucking moron. It is absolutely patently absurd. Absolutely driving me nuts because people have been saying that to me. And I'm like, you are like, I just don't even respond to them. But it's, it's one of those things where the, like they just they're like, oh, like, you know, it happened just 15 minutes ago. So that's the new narrative around him. And it's like, did right. we just... somebody said, I was like, I've had him on my fantasy football team every year. I know how good he is. All right. Don't you worry about that. The man plays. It's, oh, it's, man. That it's, me it's absolutely stupid. I mean, it, that's it's very common for the NFL fan to be like, oh, my God, he got injured for two games last year. He's injury prone. It's like, did we just ignore everything else? All the other evidence prior to that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So, pretty standard. Uh, no, they're idiots. Um, I really have nothing to say about Carolina other than Sam Darnold probably not going to do well there. Sneaky good defense. Uh, I think it was worth a shot to trade for him. Deep, deep, deep. Final point on betting. Deep, deep, deep dark horse potential for Brian Burns as defensive player of the year. Deep. That is absolutely. That's a dark big horse. one. That's yeah. A big one. There's a lot but, of people yeah, talking I mean, about that. Uh, let me pull him up real quick. But yeah, I've I've also heard a similar one because I think he's like super super surprised deep. he actually hasn't made his way up further. But um, yeah, he did, there's deep potential there. Uh, fun fact: Brian Burns was the favorite of Kyle of uh, former Washington GM Kyle Smith, who very much wanted to take him with the 15th overall pick um, in the 2019 NFL Draft, in which Washington ended up with Dwayne Haskins. So Brian Burns to win Defensive Player of the Year plus twelve thousand five hundred. So if you bet a hundred dollars, you'd win twelve thousand five hundred dollars. Isn't that worth a ten spot? Yes, yes, it is immediately. Just why not? Because I mean, otherwise it it's not going to be the same old Aaron Donald. I don't think they're going to give it to him again. Uh, it's probably more than likely Miles Garrett. I. TJ Watt, we'll see if he stays on the field enough. And then you get into the the Chase Young, the Bosa brothers. Um, I actually, I kind of, I don't know why I like uh, Derwin James, but I think I like Derwin James maybe more for comeback player of the year. You talked to me a little bit into having a th- second thoughts about Derwin James in our other conversation. I've been thinking about that name quite a bit since you brought it up. And I'm, uh, I've been so freaking good. I've been ping ponging a lot about whether or not it would be worth people throwing nickels at him uh, in that regard. Do you, moving on teams, am I the only one who just doesn't see a positive outcome for the New Orleans Saints? No. I, um, I, did you not listen to Mike Francesca on Bill Simmons, who was, who basically he just, he said, Jameis Winston is a better quarterback than Drew Brees. Drew Brees had nothing left in the tank and couldn't do anything on a football field. And I'm like, no, Drew Brees, yes, he, he did have a candy arm, but he still had the mind to get people in the right situation to make the most out of the situations that he had. He played the best that he could. And we know what you're going to get with James Winston. It's called 25 turnovers a year. Yeah. So 
yeah, there's a there's a lot of people that are that that are betting the over on that. You have the Mike Thomas stink bomb that's going on right over there, right? Of the, the injury plus the cantankerousness. You have the first year hangover without Drew Brees. Uh, you just cut Latavius Murray. That's bad juju all around in terms of just everything. You've got the Taysom Hill situation, which isn't seeming to go away. You can sell yourself all you want to on Jameis Winston, but the Taysom, Taysom Hill is going to continue to be a storyline that is going to be a distraction. And this defense well, for all the quarterback last year for, for the New Orleans Saints, Taysom Hill. Uh, Jameis Winston threw 11 passes last, last year for this team. 11. And you know, this defense is not necessarily like, it's not in the mold where it's going to go out and win you a game. It's one of those defenses. Like if you're going to put up 30, it'll do, it'll shut down the other team from turning into a track meet, but this isn't San Francisco from a couple of years ago where they're just going to shut down teams themselves. No, they're, they're again, the rankings are 11th for the front seven, 14th for the secondary. So they're very average. They're an average defense and they face the 29th ranked schedule. So they face the fourth ranked hardest schedule. Um, their over under is all kind of, again, this is another wacky one because at eight and a half, if you bet the over, it's minus 150. You bet the under, it's plus 125. And then if you go to nine and a half, if you bet the over, it's plus 135. And if it's under nine and a half wins, it's minus 165. So I'm holding up six. Wins. I'm holding up six. I would take. Six wins. I'm looking at this. I'm gonna. I would bet the under eight and a half at plus one twenty five. That seems to be the better payout to me because yeah, there's just at best this is a seven and ten team. I'm sorry, this is not. No, they're not. Marquez Callaway is going to be the next Michael Thomas. Yeah, you keep telling. And who's throwing him the football? You're going to just assume that everything is going to be fine after you parted ways with a Hall of Fame quarterback who owns every passing title basically known to the NFL. And you just assume everything is going to be handed over to Tom Brady this year. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady's going to take them back or Tom Brady has had more seasons. He had more time to get those records. Drew Brees made 5,000 yards commonplace. Mm -hmm. And you just assume everything is going to be fine afterwards. Good on you. He was cooked last year. He was cooked. He was cooked, but at the same time, he was still better than anybody else. Namely Jameis Winston. God, somebody's got to put Mike Francis out to pasture. Somebody has to put well, somebody has, has to put pasture, but occasionally people drag his ass out. But yeah, he's another one. You just listen to him. And he's like a Matthew Barry. You, you, what'd you say? I'm doing the opposite. He is somebody put grandpa back to bed, right? Like you just, oh boy. He's like the mom in uh, Wedding Crashers, basically, at this point in his, uh, the, the grandmother in, in Wedding Crashers, right? Like, you know, the one who called Eleanor Roosevelt, what she did, like, that's basically what she, you know, what, what he is uh, in, in terms of sports talk. Um, probably with the same level of racism, too. Uh, and then finally, there's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and start it here. I don't know what the over-under win total is. I don't really care. 12 and a half. 14 wins. Yeah. So 12 and a half at, at plus uh, one, 115. I can't believe how much they brought everybody back together. I hate using this word. It's an almost flawless team. So if you look at their rankings, the quarterback ranking, third. Offensive line ranking, third. Running back, 23rd. 
which I'm like, I don't think it's that bad. It doesn't matter. It's Bruce Arians. Two receivers, one, the best receiving group, uh, front front seven, ranked number one, and secondary ranked eight. That feels a little low, if I'm being completely honest with you, on the secondary. Carlton Davis was yeah. really good last year. Yeah. So you 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 brought the entire band back together. You have a coaching staff on offense that is Bruce Arians that is very, very good. And then Todd Bowles that is a monster. And you brought back the goat that is still insatiably hungry. Like this is, yeah, uh, as much as I don't want to uh, place wagers on them because I want to hate them, they're, they're hard. You can't bet against them. We talked about this in the failed podcast. This has very golden state with the, you know, with the, with the big three over there and the Cleveland with, with LeBron on, on Cle- in, in, uh, in, in Cleveland over there type of vibes where like, you just know that these two teams are going to play each other again in the finals, right? Like the, in between them and Kansas city because of Patrick Mahomes yeah. over there, right? Like, uh, uh, so, you know, teaser for this or like spoiler or whatever. I, I hate, I hate, hate, hate doing no, actually I take that back. I, I chose another team, the AFC, just because I believe in the, in the Super Bowl losing hangover, but I, I, if you had to ask me to put my mortgage on it, I would still put those two teams on it. But my official prediction is not going to be that. I'll leave it there. Well, it is going to be I mean, Tampa Bay the, in the NFC. So the, the, the favorites, of course, to win the Super Bowl is the Chiefs at plus 450 and the Bucks at plus 700. I can't believe the Bucks are plus 700. Like, I either, they're not the favorites. I, I'm going with live odds right now. That's Hold incredible. up. Uh, notes. Yeah. And then the Bills are plus 1,100. That's to win. And then if you want to get really cute, you could do the, the KC-TB combo. Um, I'll have to take a – that'll take me a little bit more time to find that. But, yeah, yeah, the, the, it does seem, as they say in the Matrix, inevitable. It is I, – I, I, um, they're the best team in the NFL. It is what it is. Uh, and I was going back and talking about it. We were joking about this in the previous pod. We were talking about this last night in our fantasy draft. How many people like, okay, there was a narrative rightfully so about the fact that like Brady struggled in the first half of the year and like shitty have left new England and yada, yada. Um, Tom Brady finished with 4,600 yards and 40 touchdowns last 40 year. Touchdown. 46, 63 and 40 touchdowns last year. Yeah. And he just heated up the last 10, 11 weeks. It was absolutely it was- go back and pull up the splits, but his numbers were just staggering. And as we mentioned, like Patrick Mahomes has to be the odds on favorite for the MVP because he's the single most dominant overall quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, yeah, he's plus 600. But are we really sure that we're going to bet against Tom Brady for, for the MVP? Well, so that's why you bet them both. And you can still make a profit if one of those two win. Um, so if we go to the MVP comp, conversation i'm very much in favor of placing uh what four units five units on on patrick mahomes and then i would place two units on uh, a mr tom brady and then you can always course correct throughout the year um i i still have a one unit wager on a matt stafford at plus two two thousand because i do see the narrative of Matt Stafford in the Rams just going absolutely crazy and dominating the 
NF and taking the NFC West, which would be hard with the 49ers in their division. Um, but I, I could see that being, you know, McVay finally gets his quarterback. Stafford finally is on a good team. Look at how good he is. That's the narrative I see where I'm like, okay, I might want to throw a little bit of bucks on that while, while his numbers still. Over the regular season, over the last seven games of the regular season, Tom Brady averaged 320 passing games, 320 passing yards per game. He completed over 66% of his passes and he threw for 20 touchdowns. He basically threw three touchdowns a game consistently for seven straight weeks. And now he has a healthy Antonio Brown on the roster. Combined with Chris Godwin, who I still maintain is the best receiver among that group, combined with Mike Evans. Yeah. Combined with Rob Gronkowski, who not enough people are talking about still there. Oh, and you have... I think he's well, well, well past his prime, but Gio Bernard gives him a James White element that, in this offense. Yeah, that was an excellent change of pace signing for them. I don't think he's any worth, but neither was James White. James White was a garbage running back on first and second down. Right. But the guy caught 65 passes to 70 passes a year as a third down specialist. I think Bernard is there. Yeah. I, I, and that's all they need him to do because they have the bad ranch that, can, that they can go on the, those other places. But you want to know what? They're not going to. They're going to be throwing the ball all the damn time. This is the no, running as we the football said, is inefficient in this modern NFL. This is the no risk it, no biscuit quarter uh, head coach, right? Yep. So, I, I, as I said previously when we weren't recording, I am no fan of Tom Brady per se. Um, or no individual fan of his. I am not necessarily like hoping and, and praying that he wins the MVP, but the logical football fan part of me has a very difficult time betting against said, the I MVP narrative. To, I have to place some, I have to throw some shekels at him, you know? I think I'd be crazy not to after these arguments. I was going to place a wager on Josh Allen, but I'm more towards the narrative that I think he's going to, I think he's going to be good, but I think he's going to take a step back from last year. I think last year's numbers were the, were a little bit of a, a because for him. if you do take a, a step back before last season, we're all like, this guy's garbage. And he's just a fantasy quarterback that picks up running stats. And then miraculously he became accurate. I don't think he gets any better than that. I think he takes a slight step back and, and he's still good. But not it's gonna be very good, but there's a yeah, there's there's a little bit of regression feel to him. Uh that's that for the NFC South, which means I think we will move on to the NFC West. So you teased the best a division bit. in the uh in the NFC. Um and this one's fun because it's pick pick your favorite because the 49ers and the Rams are both at plus 190 to win the division. So whichever one you like. That's a for a for a division winner, that's a good payout. I, the hard part is picking your favorite between those two. You know, it's funny because what is Seattle to win the division? Oh well, I now I gotta look it up. I don't think it's I didn't even have them in contention, to be honest. I'm not saying um, I have them in contention either, but I'm curious about what it is. Well, do you want to start with the Arizona Cardinals? Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals, I, get that uh, out of the way. Try and get this uh up. Um I don't know how I feel about uh, Cliff, Cliffy yet. I, I, I do know how you feel. You don't like him. He's not a good quarterback or a good coach. I don't know that yet, but my it's like it's that feeling deep down that's telling me that, and I'm just trying to convince it otherwise. You know, it's like when you're dating the crazy girl and you're trying to figure out, you're like, no, she's, is she really crazy or am I just kind of overthinking this? But deep down, you know, like, no, she's really, really crazy. That's a little bit of the right. Cliff Kingsbury. Like, I think he's just an overrated coach, but like, 
I'm still trying to find reasons to justify that he's not. Um, which then begs the question, if Cliff Kingsbury leaves, it's not like they're going to part ways with Kyler Murray, but I don't know if the next coach is going to get quite as much out of him. I think Kyler Murray is such a good fit for what Kingsbury is trying to do, whatever it is he is trying to do with that offense. Um, did you see there was like this infographic or something like that where they basically just let DeAndre Hopkins run the same route on the same direction of the field over and over and over and over and over again with like no creativity whatsoever? And I'm like, God, Hopkins can't catch a break between Houston and in Arizona. I so Cliff Kingsbury is good at uh, banging Instagram models. Uh, mm-hmm. He's not good at managing football games. Um, he has a great uh, Arizona palace that uh, he. I, he likes to flex with shade for flaunting. I that was a major flex. I would do the same. Um, but yeah, he just he does not have it. He wants to call plays. He wants to be the guy, but you can't do it all. And he, he's not. Well, he can't do it all. Other coaches can do it all. He can't do it all. He ain't McVay. Yeah. So without him, like handing over some of his game management duties, he's going to be in trouble. Um, the, the thing. The, they do have a talented roster. It's talented. Is it complete? That's my what question they, here. Their secondary is weak, and then they That's have my... poo-poo at running back. Uh, which I think you can get by with poo-poo at running back by and large. Exactly. Although... So that doesn't – but they have a decent offensive line, good quarterback, good receivers, good front seven, and then a, a weak secondary. Um, so, again, they're at eight and a half, and they're eight and a half over minus 105 under minus uh, – 115 so it's Which very set aligns with my uh thinking of stay away right because oh, hell yeah they're big time stay away there's a world where they win 10 games there's there's yeah. no no denying that and there's a world where they win seven games there's no denying that either um and you could talk me very legitimately into both outcomes and i would not fight you so well, they do have a hard schedule um and they're in a tough division and they're at the bottom of that tough division so i i think it's going to be hard for I think it's going to be hard from a bottom team in a division to win eight or more games. I will also say that they drafted my favorite defensive player in this press draft and I'm Zayvon Collins. So that's that. And they, how does he team up with Isaiah Simmons? No one knows yet. Literally nobody so knows they yet. they kind of like the same? They're, they're, they're going to do the positionless linebacker thing, right? There's and it's going to be dudes out there wreaking havoc. Yeah. Like they're basically just going to stand him up being like, oh, he's going to be a cornerback on this play. Just kidding. Right. Like it's 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 going to be some wild shit. And I I applaud the outside the box thinking of going about it. There's too many coaches who have to always play exactly within those lines. So I love the fact that they're doing that. I just want to see how it plays out because they drafted one of the most positionless players we've ever seen in Isaiah Simmons last year. And frankly speaking, did not know how to use him. They he right. did not look good as a rookie. And they were like it, it, they showed that they didn't have a good plan for him. Um, All right. I don't think I have anything else to say about the Arizona Cardinals. Agree. Um, that, that, that makes two of us. So the next team is the Los Angeles Rams, which, again, they have a funky number. So their numbers, really, it's 10. But if you can only bet the half. So nine and a half, they're over is minus 150, under plus 125. And at 10 and a half, they're over is plus 125, minus 150. And as I said earlier, I would not bet either over under for the Rams or the 49ers. I would instead pick 
your horse and bet them to win the division because I think that's going to give you a better payout. So whoever goes over is winning the division. Whoever wins, it's going to be 12, 12 win teams. Slight, dis- slight disagreement there because I have the Rams winning the division at 11 games. Okay. Right. So, Sorry. potato, potato. <laughs> Mincing Either way, it's over po- 10. Whoever wins over 10 wins this division. Yes. Um, and to your point, taking it one step further, I do have San Francisco winning, uh, making sure I'm pulling up my projections correctly. Wrong spreadsheet. They have the easiest schedule in the NFL. Do they really? Yes. I did not notice that. Yeah. So I have, interesting, I actually have, if I'm going off the predictions that I wrote that I'm going to publish, and I don't want to change it now because of the, just for the purpose of the conversation, I have Seattle at 10 and San Francisco at nine. Really? Yeah. And here right. is what I think where my logic was, is that I think San Francisco's defense is getting a little bit of a pass. Like everyone just assumes that they're going to be good. You lost Robert Sala, who was a good coach, regardless. I, you know, right. my philosophy is you never want to be the guy after the guy. It's never quite the same. Uh, it's, a, it's gotten older. Ryan. Um, and we're still putting a lot of eggs in the Jimmy Garoppolo slash Trey Lance basket. And again, our, our sentiments on Trey Lance are actually rather well documented, but, um, and, you know, Kyle is a, very, very, very offensively gifted coach. I just think between the division that they play in and some of the notable flaws on the roster, it's going to be really hard to get to that 10 win plateau or 10 win. So if you look at them, I think they probably had the worst injury luck, right? I don't, I don't have that stat in front of me, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they had the worst injury luck of any team. Um, And uh, their, their question is, is DeMarco, Margo Ryan going to be able to fill in for Robert Sala. Um, when Jimmy G plays, they win. Bottom line. So, like, if you say, is this a Super Bowl winning team with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback? Well, Jimmy Garoppolo took them to a Super Bowl. Now, granted, their defense was slightly better. And that's where the Trey Lance potential really gets you thinking, not this season, in my opinion, but in future seasons, them being a legit contender because, uh, Trey Lance and, and Kyle Shanahan is just fireworks. Um, and I think that Jimmy G, if he can stay healthy, he wins them games and gets them through the regular season, a.k.a. gets them through this season, and then they hand over the reins. If he can stay healthy, that's the big thing. And that's why I think you'll see Trey Lance start football games this year because there's no way that Garoppolo makes it through. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but the, the obvious one about injuries. But yes, that makes tons of sense. And this that Lance will play a fair amount or a significant amount, mostly because of the injury concerns, more so than the like. I'm thinking seven games he plays. I would be very um, impressed to bet against you. So they have they do have easy opponents. They start out with Detroit and Philly. Granted, they're on the road, but they're going to smoke them both. And then they have Green Bay. I, That'll be an, an interesting Sunday night affair. Where is it? And then they Where's the Seattle. Green Bay game? It's in Green Bay. Yeah, so that's probably a Green Bay game. Right. And then uh, they have Seattle and then Arizona. And then if you look at the rest of the they have the Bears. They have Jacksonville. They have Cincinnati, Atlanta, Houston. So, I mean, they have 
cupcakes in their in their rock in their I was gonna uh, say, that's a very as, very christian part of, the, of the schedule so that's why i would absolutely i mean um let me pull it up i thought they were 10 and a half 10 and a half is their they're minus 105 over minus 115 under so they're 10 win team um is what everybody's projecting yeah i hate my prediction now that you're talking about more and more or um, don't like could, it strongly you could, you could bet them to win 10 games at probably something around plus 500 if you bet the exact. You know, I probably put them at nine and gave Seattle 10 because I was giving Seattle the benefit of the doubt with having, so, with Russ, that offense, um, a defense that is better, or at least a front part of the defense that's better than a lot of people think, although the back seven is worse than probably people remember or think. Right. Um the whole offensive coordinator storyline, I think Shane Waldron, who's over there, is going to be interesting to watch uh, right. because, you know, Russ is a very um, improvisational quarterback, and that I don't think that schematic allows for that quite as much. Right, because Waldron's going to run the McVay offense, which is more of a timing offense or misdirection offense. Designated to, to throw the ball read. there. Yes, whereas Russ wants to, I'm supposed to throw it here. That's not open. Let me figure it out. That's more his mentality. He's, he's more, as you said, improvisational. So I think it would be interesting. Um, their number is 10 and a half. The over is plus 115. The under is minus 140. So people are hammering the under for Seattle at 10 and a half. And I think between a combination of the uncertainty there, the uncertainty on the defense, the difficulty of the division, the difficulty of the conference, um, all of those factor into the money, as you just mentioned, going in the under 10 wins direction, which is the slight inclination I have as well. Yeah, see, I don't even want, but at minus 140, I don't want to bet that. Why would you throw money at I, that? Yeah. I would rather just stay away and then I'm I'm leaning towards uh, the Rams, taking the Rams at uh, winning the division at plus 190. I mean, literally, they have built everything on winning this year or next year, and that's it. They have no future past that. The one thing that I want to make sure people don't forget about the Rams, and this is something that has, I don't think enough people are talking about. The Rams lost Brandon Staley as a defensive coordinator. Yes. And Raheem Morris is fine. Players Raheem Morris like, is a good defensive coordinator. They, players like Raheem he's Morris. better than fine. But he's not what Brandon Staley did. They were the best defense in the NFL last year in, in, a, in a significant number of metrics. And you know, it's going to be one of those things where they might drop to seventh, ninth, 11th overall or something like that, which is a very respectable ranking, but, and maybe the addition of Stafford kind of counterbalances that drop off, yeah. but it's, um, it's just an interesting plot line to watch. See, I, I see, I thought if, if you're looking at defensive coordinators and you're looking at the Rams and the 49ers, I'd rather have Raheem Morris. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, no Marco question. Ryan. So no I question. thought that was a very good rebound, especially because McShay has uh, a history with Raheem um, back to their Tampa Bay days. Or their Washington days. Or right. That's yes. Yes. So um, yeah, I, and, and I think they're two, two coaches that fit well together personality wise. And, and apparently the, Raheem Morris is, a, I believe, quite the jokester. That is what the uh, one podcast that is escaping me right now has mentioned. Blind coach. 
um no no no, no i don't i haven't watched that one uh um, flying coach sean mcveigh sounds exactly like a gruden yeah oh yeah the mannerisms are uncanny no i believe yeah. it was the uh the nfl one with uh kevin clark and nora princiati and also benjamin okay. Solak, who they just added who i do i think he does a very good job i've i like his addition to the group so i think i think the, the addition of stafford in McVay's offense, giving him a legit because this is the first real quarterback he's had. His people best quarterback to, prior to this would be Cousins, right? People trying to fade Stafford, some for some reason. No, I don't buy it. I, I, I if you, if there was a prop bet, if I could, of uh, wagering on Stafford hitting the five thousand yard mark again, it's that would be very, very tempting. I'm sure we can find it. Right, I'll take a look. Or Stafford leading the league in passing yardage would be oh a, that's definitely like that's that's a very very solid bet that it would be hard you'd be hard pressed to disagree with you don't think Mahomes is going to take that mm, yeah that's Patrick Mahomes so yeah so regular season passing yards Mahomes is at plus three twenty five Stafford is you're gonna have to give me a second to actually find him no it's Mahomes it's gonna be Mahomes right Stafford's plus Plus fourteen hundred, yeah. Uh, yeah, no. Stafford say, will finish like, a very with the miscongeniality number two ranking in that one. He's gonna, as I said, he'll be in the MVP conversation just because. Again, MVP is not about stats; it's about story. And he's gonna have a good story. And everybody that like, like well, Matt Stafford never won in Detroit, and I go, that's not his fault. He'll have to pull off some signature fault. wins along the way to get it. But if he does, then yes. Very much so. Um, I did find it. Um, uh, it was Seattle was plus two seventy five to win the division. I can't pick them to win the division. I just don't think they're going to win the division. I think they're too flawed. So here's the problem: is is you look at like everything, and the problem is is that weird stuff's going to happen, and we can't foresee it. Yeah, it's always the- something. There's there's weird stuff everywhere. So like the Bears could end up making the playoffs i doubt it but it could happen um so i'm I'm really glad you actually said that right one of my one of my workshop theories is i don't even think it's that much of a workshop theory um basically about five to six weeks into the nfl season you have to somehow just turn off everything that just happened over the last five or six weeks and you have to somehow like wipe your mind and be like, okay, now the season starts. And like, what do I think I know? And like erase all preconceived notions because, you know, between the limitation of how much, how much teams practice and, and, and all of those stipulations and things like that, the preseason effective has gotten longer and longer. Now you have one less preseason game as we talked about earlier, right? So basically like the first month until like Columbus Day, it's all kind of fake, right? Right. Because uh, as you said, like there's like everyone was talking about oh, Tom Brady's struggling in Tampa Bay. Chicago's really, really bad. And Matt Nagy, I wrote a column about this, is on the hot seat. And all of us, and then, and you know, Washington looked atrocious with Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. No one would have ever conceived of the idea of them winning the division. That was laughable at best, right? All of these things are the narratives that you tell yourself through mid October. And then look at where you end up in mid December. Well, that's why the first four weeks is like one of the most interesting weeks to wager on because the craziest crap happens. Um, and I, I mean, I'm going to have to do a little bit more research on this, but typically you see a lot of 
a, a lot of home teams that have no business winning games, winning games just because they're at home, they're comfortable, and the other teams are still figuring their crap out, or at least covering. I see the they keep it close. I see it the opposite way. I actually think the first four to six weeks of the season is when the most chalk takes place. And then right around six weeks is when weird things start creeping up. You're like, how did they lose? And like, and we like, always have those, those teams that like, Oh, this team's four and oh, and then the next thing you know, they finish the season six and 10. Yes. So you right. get like that kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. You get some, you get some really awkward things in, in the first four weeks and, and Vegas has no clue how to set the numbers, no clue how to set the numbers the first week. So, I mean, if you follow some trends, you, you can, you can occasionally find some, some good angles. Like you said, have any the five and one team one. who finishes seven and nine, right. Or seven yeah. and 10, I suppose it is. Um, yes. Lots of insights there. Uh, this was excellent. Uh, this is going to have to, we'll have to make sure we actually do this in two parts next time. Um, no thanks to zoom. Uh, thank you everyone who's made it this far for listening. Thank you, John, for all the tremendous betting insights and all the, the numbers and the details you've provided throughout the course of all of this. Um, we'll have to figure out a way to do this or ex- continue this through the course of the season, or maybe we'll just do this with NBA win totals, but I won't have as much to contribute there. Um, well, we're definitely going to do it for over-unders for NBA wins. Yeah, we'll just have to do and it there. NBA and NBA MVP. I love betting the MVP. MVP is the I most fun to NFL, talk about. NBA. I love, I love them. I love them. Because the, so I like future bets because you can course correct. Whereas week-to-week bets, that's it. You get one shot. But, but like if I call Mahomes wrong and he gets hurt in week one, you I can just make another bet. How far I, into the season I, I were you with Aaron Rodgers? When you when you threw your wager in, I I threw it in week one. There you go, right? I threw and him you, in in Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson I knew that Mahomes wasn't going to win it last year. You just knew it. It was too soon. It was too soon. Now we're just right. Right now, it, now enough time has lapsed. Right. I completely so. agree with all of that. Nonetheless, thank you so much for all of that, and thank you so much for everyone who's listening. Um, we'll be sure to post. Uh, the majority of this onto the podcast and the majority of this is going to make the podcast. I might try to clip a couple for exclusive deleted scenes and pop those onto YouTube. Um, I'll have to figure out the best ones to do there, but there's definitely some options um, until then we will talk to you next time. If nothing else, more than likely the next episode will be Pat and I talking the recap of week the, one recap of the chargers game, which will hopefully be a W and who knows, maybe bring John Vaughn for a few post game recaps as well. If I win some wagers. Yeah. Especially then. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcast.